Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44 this morning. Luke chapter 4, 31 through 44. We are continuing our series through the book of Luke. And today we are at Luke 4, 31 through 44. I'm going to read the passage and then we will pray and dig in. Luke 4, 31 through 44. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, saying, or crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was, I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word, and we um, pray that you would help us um, as we as we gather around it this morning, that your Spirit would um, teach us and grow us in your grace, and that we would become um, even more um, intent and more able by your Spirit um, to follow Jesus joyfully, courageously, faithfully. I pray that you would do that work in us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. I thought when I was, um, when I, when, when there was years and years and years and years ago, uh, my wife and I only had one kid, and, uh, and her name was Abby, and I thought that I was a good dad, um, because I thought, I mean, I thought I had, I thought I had something going for me, um, because Abby, when she was like two years old, and she doesn't like me to talk about her in the sermon, but I figured two-year-old stories are fine, and, because um, everybody was two once. And uh, I remember, I, um, my wife has never had a very good dad voice. You know, the voice that, that kind of brings it, has a little bit of authority to it, um, has a little bit of something to it. My wife has never been able to do that. It's always been borderline comical when she tries. Um, but I could, I could look at Abby and say, Abby. And she would just stop doing what she was doing. I thought, man, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good dad. Like, I... And then I had five other kids, and 
I realized Abby was just a legalist, and she wanted me to be happy with her. Um, my other children were, were not encumbered with that. Um, and so uh, my, my voice of authority has gone steadily downhill, and where I'm not impressed with it anymore. Um, I know that like, sometimes I'm playing basketball, and some, me or somebody on my team shoots, and I'll just yell, go in! And every once in a while, the ball goes in, but I don't think it has anything to do with my words. I, I've yelled at, like, clogged toilets before, um, just trying to plunge them with the, with the command of my voice. Um, I've tried to summon, like, uh, like uh, batteries for remotes. Like, why? 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 Why do you pick up a remote and there's, like, one battery missing? What, what kind of world do we live in where that happens every day to me? I have six. I have six really good reasons why that happens. Um, and so sometimes, sometimes I just like I yell, and 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 the remote battery doesn't appear, um, and I don't really feel any better. I can't do anything with my words. I can't. I don't have like the authoritative voice that I would love to have. And you're like, well, you you would waste it on stupid stuff, even if you did, like plunging toilets. And well, no, I want to do good. stuff. I want to like. I, would, I mean, I'd love to be able to cure cancer and vanquish evil. I, I just starting small, you know? Starting with toilets and, and, and basketball hoops and stuff. And I can't do anything. Jesus shows up in this passage, and he can. He can do stuff with his words. He has authority in his words. He says it, and it happens. And, and Jesus doesn't waste it on, on, on dumb things. Jesus shows up and we see the authority that he has just just by speaking. Just by speaking. So our sermon today is going to be four ways that Jesus uses his authority. Four ways that Jesus uses his authority. We're going to look at it, look at these verses carefully and see four ways that Jesus uses his authority. Number one. Jesus uses his authority to keep the first gospel promise. Jesus uses his authority to keep the first gospel promise. Now, if you, if we were to go back to Genesis chapter 3, and we would have the story where Adam and Eve sin against God, and God kicks them out of the garden that he created for them to enjoy, for them to be together with him, but, but they've sinned and they've ruined that. They've believed the lie of Satan, and they have sinned against God, and so God has pronounced a curse on Adam and Eve, and He's pronounced a curse on Satan, and the, the curse He pronounces on Satan ends with this promise that one day a descendant of Adam and Eve is going to come and crush the head of the serpent. He's going he's to come and defeat Satan once and for all. Most Bible scholars will say this is the first gospel promise. This is the, the gospel promise that hundreds of other gospel promises in the Bible are built on. One day, someone would come from the line of Adam and Eve. Some human would come and, and he would once and for all defeat Satan. And, and we would no longer be in bondage to Satan. Satan would no longer be our master. We would be, we would be freed from him. And then Jesus shows up. And what Luke wants us to see 
Because Jesus did other miracles before this one that we read today. He, he did other miracles, but this is the first one that, G, that, that Luke is going to mention. This is the first of Jesus' miracles that Luke is going to mention. And he does it on purpose because he wants us to understand that the person that God promised back in Genesis chapter 3 is here now. He's here. He's here. And, and he is going to put an end to Satan. And so when the, when the, the demons, when, when Jesus shows up and the demon in the, in the man cried out and says, ha, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? The, the, the demons know. When Jesus shows up, they know that their days are numbered because He is the Holy One of God. And when Jesus decides to, He rebukes Him, verse 35, saying, be silent and come out of Him. And the the demon does exactly what Jesus tells him to do because Jesus' word carries authority. The Son of God has shown up. The demon's days are numbered. What Luke wants us to understand is that that the one that we've been waiting for, the one who is going to come and defeat Satan, is here. And and it's not going to be like this this massive battle where you're not sure who's going to win, Jesus or Satan, Jesus or Satan. No, this is not a fair fight. Jesus is going to win with the word of his power. He's going to speak and vanquish evil. Jesus is going to use his authority to keep the first gospel promise. That's, that's number one. Jesus uses His authority to keep the first gospel promise. Number two, goes right along with this, Jesus uses His authority to make church unsafe for demons. Jesus uses His authority to make church unsafe for demons. I want you to think about this with me. That man who had a demon within him, This is a demon-possessed man, and he was going to synagogue. He was at synagogue. And this was basically their church service. This is where they would worship God. This is where they would hear the Word of God taught. Like like, like this demon-possessed man, this wasn't his first trip to synagogue, right? He came to synagogue. This was his synagogue that he went to. And, and he would go, and, and this demon with, with, was within him. And this, and this demon-possessed man would, would go, and he would hear the, the Word of God taught. Some scribe or some, somebody would stand up, and, they would, and they, would, they would talk about the Word of God. And it never bothered this demon. There was no conflict. But then Jesus shows up, and Jesus speaks with authority. Jesus speaks the truth. Jesus speaks of salvation and mercy, the the kingdom of God. And and now the the demon can no longer coexist peacefully. The demon can no longer hang out at that church anymore. The demon freaks out. The demon freaks out. There was a time where that demon-possessed man could just kind of be a part of that synagogue. Not anymore. Jesus shows up and He says a whole bunch of things and He, and he carries Himself in such a way and He speaks with authority and the demons realize it's over. It's, it's over. We cannot be here anymore. We cannot coexi- coexist peacefully with Jesus. There's immediate conflict. Church is no longer safe for demons. 
What does that have to do with us today? 2021, First Baptist Church. What, is this, what does this have to do with us? Well, I will say, I am not, and this is not me being naive or arrogant, uh, but I'm, I'm not concerned about any of you being possessed by a demon. I believe that if you're in Christ, um, I know that if you're in Christ, a demon cannot possess you. And I'm also pretty confident that Satan doesn't know I exist. Like, there's never been a time the devil made me do it. Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. I'm pretty sure that I'm not on Satan's radar. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fish, but I don't think I'm on Satan's radar. Alright? So I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. But, we, we do know from Scripture that Satan has been very efficient, very effective, building demonic lies into our world. He has, he has, he has been very effective, very efficient, and he has, and he has influenced people, and he has influenced the systems of our world, he's, he's influenced the, the, the academic world, the media world, the entertainment world, he has influenced the influencers. And, and his, his lies are being perpetrated. They are, they are being spread throughout the world. And he's pretty good at it. And the thing about these lies is they're all lies that we are ready and willing to believe because of our sinful hearts anyway. Even if Satan hadn't done this, it's a whole bunch of stuff we would think because of our sinfulness. So those lies have sort of fused with our sinful hearts. The problem is, the problem is, those kinds of demonic lies can coexist peacefully church on Sunday morning. Lies that doubt the sufficiency of God's Word. Lies that, that undercut the wrath of God, the holiness of God. That downplay God's hatred for sin. That downplay our need for the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ. There are, there are lies that are sort of, that, that, that can coexist peacefully if, 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 if at first, at first Baptist Church we decide to kind of, just kind of dance around scripture we don't like, fiddle around with scripture. If we do what doubtlessly the synagogues were doing, which is just layer like tradition upon tradition upon tradition upon scripture where you wouldn't even be able to recognize scripture if you saw it. The, the, the truth has been completely taken out of it. It means almost nothing. We, we, we preach and teach that way. If we reinterpret the stuff that bothers us, because it doesn't really fit in, in with modern sensibility, we can, at this church, co- coexist peacefully with demonic lies. Or we can submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. We can say Jesus is king, and what he says goes. Or we can fiddle around. We cannot do both. Jesus shows up and His authority makes it unsafe for demons at church. Demonic lies cannot live where Jesus is King. You have one or the other. Jesus uses His authority to keep the first Gospel promise and He uses His authority to make church unsafe for demons. Number three, Jesus uses his authority to completely restore people. To completely restore people. 
I love that that there's like, like there's, there's like this this big cosmic miracle that Luke Luke has this big cosmic miracle like, like this big um, like billboard that Jesus is going to wipe out Satan that the, that the greatest victory in the history of the world Jesus is going to win it and he's going to win it with the word of his power that Satan is doomed that that our that our captor is gone that he is that we are going to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his dear son like like Jesus is going to win in this great cosmic battle this epic epic battle and then we go from that big cosmic epic super heroic to he goes to Peter's house Simon Peter and and his mother-in-law has a high fever so so Jesus it's it's, it's this very like domestic tame softly and tenderly Jesus heals this moment it's, it goes from like this big cosmic mighty thing to this, this very personal personal bit of mercy. Verse 38, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to her on appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, we have communion today, so I don't have time for like a mother-in-law joke. I was going to mention like this is just a sort of a waste of a miracle. I mean, it's a mother-in-law. And I was going to mention that, but this is communion day. I don't have time for it. And I was also going to mention um, which I don't have time for this either, but it's interesting to me that um, that it's it's Simon's mother-in-law, but they appeal to Jesus. Like Simon, Simon's not the one asking. It's just these other people, you know. Like Simon's like, if you want to heal her, that'd be great. But if not, whatever, you know. Like she'll probably get better. I don't know. So you do whatever, Jesus. That's no, I'm just kidding. So I'm not. I I, I don't have time to talk about either one of those things. What I want to talk about is that Jesus completely heals her. Like, she has no recovery time. Like, I, I, I need a day to recoup. Anytime I'm sick at all, I'm like, you know what, i got to take another day just to, just to eat some jello and get myself back on my feet, you know? Like, and, and this was most likely a pretty serious, um, a pretty serious thing. When Luke says uh, that she had a high fever, this is, this is he's probably... This is probably a very technical term, something that they would have understood then. Like, she was probably really sick. And so there's no way that she goes from being really sick, like bedridden, ill, not sure if she's going to get better, to just hopping up and, and being the hospitable host again, unless Jesus completely restores her. This is how Jesus heals people, completely. Like, there's no, there's no sign of sickness left. He has reversed the sickness completely and brought her back to complete 100% health. This is what Jesus does. And I mentioned this, uh, and, I, and I talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago, but it's vital for us to hear over and over and over. If you're in Christ, if Jesus is your Savior, then one day you will be completely restored. I, I, you know, I, I said some stupid things I would do if I had authoritative power, you know, to be, and, and I, I, seriously though, I would love to be able to just say the word and make you all better. To take away what's ailing you. I would love to. You got chronic pain, you've got cancer, you got this or that or the other thing, I, and it, it, you, you may have like mental illness, you, you may have just depression and anxiety. I would love to just be able to say the word and pff, you're good. I would love to. I can't. I cannot. But Jesus can. 
And here's one of the things that we have to bear in mind if we're going to, if we're going to live with chronic pain, if we're going to live through cancer or sickness, or especially if that cancer or sickness is going to end our lives. If we're going to follow Jesus faithfully and joyfully and courageously through that, if we're going to, then we need to remember, one of the things we have to keep in our minds is that Jesus is going to completely restore us. That that there is going to be a literal, real day where we are actually all better. Because of the authority of Jesus. Jesus has authority over your sickness. Number four, last thing, Jesus uses his authority to preach. Jesus uses his authority to preach. This is one of the things that just stands out to me in this passage. I I love uh, verse, uh, going down verse 40, down, down through verse 43. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any, any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. So this is just tons of people at the end of the day. And they're just coming and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Demons also came out of them crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Um, and, and then when it was, when it was day, he departed from them. He's, he's, he's got to go. He went to a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. Like, just Jesus, Jesus, stay here. Stay here. Keep healing us. Keep throwing out demons. Keep, keep doing this stuff. Just stay here with us. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? Like, and here's the thing. Like, Jesus can... He, he never fails when he rebukes disease. When he rebukes a demon. Like, he's just, he just says the word and, and, and the, the, the person is healed. The, the demon is gone. He, he is um, he's batting a thousand. you understand? He's batting a thousand. Because he carries authority with his word. But what he chooses to do with his time, instead of just going around healing people, what is the main emphasis of his ministry? It's preaching. He goes, no, I've got to go preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. This is why I'm here. I was sent for this purpose. So he goes preaching in the other synagogues of Judea. This is so instructive for us. This is so helpful for us. When it comes to, to us thinking about how is the kingdom of God established right now? It's established the same way it was established then through the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. If, 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 you, if you say to me, uh, you know, if you, if you give me a prayer request about you or someone else who is sick, then, then absolutely, absolutely I'm going to pray that you will be healed. I, I pray that your, your pain will decrease, that you'll have the strength you need to, to, to do the things that you need to do in your life. Of course I will, absolutely. But I, just, just so you know, 90% of my prayer for you is that you believe the gospel. If you're not a Christian, that you will hear the word proclaimed and you will believe the gospel. And if you are a believer, that, that you will hear the gospel and you will be stirred to faithfully, courageously, joyfully trust and follow Jesus. I'm going to pray for your spiritual well-being. 
Of course we care about the physical needs of the people in our lives. Of course we do. And we want to do what we can to help alleviate physical suffering. Of course we do. But we listen to Jesus here and we realize that's nowhere near the most important thing. Jesus could have just stayed there and, and, and alleviated physical suffering endlessly. He could have just gone around Judea just, just healing people. He could have. But that wasn't the most important thing to him. He wanted to preach. Jesus knew that disease would submit to his authority. Jesus knew that demons would submit to his authority. And he also knew, unfortunately, that many people would reject his preaching. He knew that there would be people who would not bow the knee to him until it was eternally too late. People would hear, they, 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 and they would, they would even say, he speaks with authority. But then they wouldn't want that authority in their own lives. They wouldn't want Jesus to be their king. They wouldn't want to fess up and say, I need Jesus as my Savior. That I, I'm a sinner and I need, I need the forgiveness that only comes through Jesus. I, I need, if I'm going to be a part of the kingdom of God, if I'm going to live in submission to God, if I'm going to be in the family of God, if I'm going to be in, in God, then I have to be in Christ. I need Jesus or I have no hope. That's the message people needed to hear. And Jesus knew many would reject it. Many would want nothing to do with it. But it was the most important thing for him to to say the Gospel. For him to proclaim the Gospel. Preach the Gospel. It's what people needed to hear then. And it's what you need to hear now. You need to hear that you are a sinner. You deserve God's punishment for your sin against Him. You, You cannot be in God's family as a sinner. However, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. His death and resurrection are your only hope to be forgiven of your sin, to escape the punishment you deserve, to enjoy eternity with God. Please believe this good news. This is is what we proclaim as a church. This is what you must personally believe. And then church, if you have believed this, then we have to keep this in our minds. This is this is the way that God is establishing His kingdom. It's not through the, the physical needs being met. It's, it's, not through, it's not through the physical. It is through the, the preaching of God's Word as, as by God's grace, by God's Spirit, as we proclaim the Word of God, as we proclaim the Word of God, we proclaim the Gospel, and then what God does in His miraculous grace is He transfers people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. He does this through the proclamation of the Gospel. Through the preaching of the Gospel. It's how God is establishing His kingdom right now in the hearts and lives of people. It's one at a time. It's, it's, it's one rebel being, being, being gloriously transformed into a worshiper by the grace of God and it happens through the preaching of the Gospel. This is what we must obsess over. And this is, I mean, so this is what we must, we must hold up as, the, as a church. This is, this is it. This is our main thing. This is how Jesus is using us to establish His authority, to, to build His kingdom. And it's how you, after you've been brought into the kingdom of His dear Son, it, it's, it's how you grow. 
It's how the authority of Christ takes root in your heart. Where it's, it's how you more and more and more submit to Jesus as your King. To say, to say no to the temptations that face you in the strength that Jesus gives us through His Spirit. To, to say, I'm going to, come what may, submit to the authority of Christ. It's, it, it's, it's through the simple, faithful preaching and teaching of God's Word. Let's be faithful to preach God's Word. If you, if, if you catch me preaching in a way that could coexist peacefully with demonic lies, then you tell me. That's it. I'm, I'm as serious as a heart attack. If you, if you hear me preach a sermon and you say, you know what, demons would be fine with that. Because they were fine with the synagogue teaching. We're not that far removed from that. Do you understand? We're, we're a generation of just, kind of, uh, of just kind of goofing around with Scripture from, from being a church where, where there's no authority of Christ. The kingdom is not being built. No one is submitting. No one's being changed. The gospel's not taking root in anybody's heart because there's no gospel to take root. And, and demonic lies coexist peacefully because there's no Jesus. We're, we're, we're not that far removed from that. So you don't let me get away with it. As I'm as serious as a heart attack. And you don't stop listening and longing for the Word of God. What does the Word of God say and what does it mean? And then how can you, as a, as a Christian, how can you take that Word of God and explain it to the people in your life that need to hear it? You need to hear it. They need to hear it. The, the Word of God being proclaimed is what, is what establishes the authority of Christ in the lives of people. What does it? Let's commit ourselves to that. More and more and more, we want to be people, we want to be a church that God uses to transfer people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son by His mercy and by His grace. Let's, let's pray for that. Let's commit ourselves to the, to the preaching and teaching and sharing and, and encouragement of the Word of God. pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the authority of Christ. Thank you that, um, thank you that our, our main enemies, the, uh, Satan and our own sinfulness, have been wrecked by the authority of Jesus Christ. They have been destroyed by the authority of Jesus Christ. That he won victory on the cross. I thank you that one day, one day, it's going to make all things new. We're going to be completely restored. And I thank you and until that day, you're going to continue to use us, people like us, to, to build your kingdom through the proclamation of your word, through the preaching and teaching and sharing of your word. That you're going to, that the, that the authority of Christ is, is going to be driven home. It's going to be established in the hearts and minds of, of people that you are doing a wonderful, miraculous work in. I pray that you would do that work through us. That we would stay committed 
to, to not goofing around with your word. Instead, just help us to, just to preach it straight, God. Help us. Help us to believe it, even if it insults our modern sensibilities, even if it rubs us the wrong way. Help us to believe it. Help us, help us to commit ourselves to it and help us to, to, to tell other people about it. In Christ's name, amen.